it every Sunday morning. Hello, my name's James, this is my wife, James. Oh, I mean, <laughs> So will you guys just, uh, first of all, actually, tell us how you met. Can I just start just really quickly by saying how wonderful it is to be here Aww. this morning? And I just felt so emotional all the way through the worship and just was crying because just reminds me of our first year or so, you know, that just these first embryonic stages of the church, well, not even embryonic, <coughs> not the baby stage of the church, and just how precious this time is, and, you know, we were about the same size as you guys at this stage, and just that sense of, of closeness and family and purpose that is just one thing about that first stage of the church plant, and I'm like, oh, I miss it. I miss this first stage of the church and just bless you guys because this is just a wonderful church that you have here and you know it just feels, feel, you know you come home and yeah, Ballon Vineyard is a wonderful place to be. So thank you for having us first. We're very privileged to have you. Shalina, how do we meet? Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be more one of those interviews I think. So a question will be asked. And we'll probably just answer a completely different question, like the weather or something like that. But we met on the first day of the university at Nottingham um, in the bar, and I walked over to this young lady and tried to chat her up, which, with limited success, well, actually great success, we're now married, so um, it was a bad line, it was, you've got the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. And I knew he was... He literally he said it as he was looking point. over my shoulder and thinking at his grandpa. I was like, but who did he go on? And you then I decided... Call it with feet because you say something nice. Yeah. And I was really bored of saying the same thing, you know, like, oh, I've got these, this is what I'm studying. So I, I tried a new line, which was, oh, hi, my name's Barry, and I'm studying farming, and, you know, all this kind of thing. And so it kind of went... So you say, how do we meet... Yes. I wasn't very impressed. You were not impressed at all. So I was like, who is he? And then I you... really hope I never see him again. <laughs> and, and then you found out that we were next door to each other in Hall. And, um, that was a bad movie. <laughs> um, yes, but, but we, we... So, sorry, you asked, you asked the question, it's your fault. Um, but that's how, that's how we met. And I guess we had... During that first uh, year of university, I was studying theology, Jim was studying uh, medicine. And I was a Christian, Jen, Jen wasn't, and so we had the, the privilege of just going on that journey. She was like, you're a Christian, why are you a Christian? You know, so we had, in those late night yes, chats... I was like, how does science disprove that? I thought that, you know, done and sealed, science has disproved Christianity, what are you doing? Come on, that was last year. Absolutely, and so we, we just began to go on this journey of um, talking about faith, didn't we? Um, in that first term of university. And James started getting his Bible out, I was like, Mm. So yeah, it was just it was an amazing thing of just uh, obviously I decided he wasn't that bad actually after all. Got to know him and yeah, just started exploring questions of faith. He was the first person that I'd met who was a Christian who wasn't just trying to convert me, who who sort of just took me on a journey of asking questions about Jesus and well, what, what do you think? And so sort of me, really doing a bit of a mini alpha um, and then he invited me along to Trent Vineyard in Nottingham, which was a, a two or three years old at the time, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ready to go to church yet. I've got Christians, I don't think I'm... It's going to be a whole room of Christians. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a friend to come with me as a sort of a, you know, strength in numbers type thing. 
Um, and uh, yeah, just went to the bit. He, he sort of persuaded me and said, Oh, there's donuts and good coffee, and it's in a football stadium. I was like, Oh, I could do that. I could do donuts, good coffee, and football stadium, and skulk around at the back. Um, and for me, it was just this amazing. I mean, I didn't have faith, I didn't know what I thought about Jesus at this point. But walking into that room, just this real sense of peace and wholeness and, um, and warmth that I'd never really experienced before. And I now look back and, and know that I was sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And although it was a very, you know, relatively strange environment for me because I, wasn't, I hadn't been in church, um, it, it ju there was something about it that just drew me, wanted to come back. And so I spent about six months coming back to church, did an Alpha course, and then... You know, at the end of the other course, I was totally and utterly besotted with Jesus and praying and, yeah, on its very excited journey of, wow, the world looks totally different now. Um, and so you were then part of Trent Vineyard for a while and you got married? Got, Absolutely. Got married. And then what, how, how did Cardiff come about? Where did you suddenly get the idea that that might be a good idea to leave all your friends and go to the <laughs> So, so just going, it's a good question, and sometimes I wonder, you know, you look back at your life, you're like, how did that happen? Um, I've had a strange thing that ever since I've been very young, since about 12, I wanted to be a pastor. Now, that's unusual. <laughs> you know, you don't, I remember going through school, and, you know, what do you want to be? I want to be a vicar. Yeah, James went to a very, 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 very posh school, and everyone, I want to be an accountant, I want to be a prime minister, I want to be a leading physician, and James like, I want to be a vicar. Yeah, so they didn't know what to do with me at all. They were like, put, put you in this category over here, don't know. Um, so, that, so that's what... <laughs> so it kind of came from that place. And um, I went to study theology at university, which was both amazing and incredibly challenging, and really did mess with me over the three years. But, um, but deep inside, I was like, do you know what? I, I love God's church. This is what I think God's got for me. And so did theology and then ended up Staying on and doing years out with Trent Vineyard on to start. Years out, was it? It was just the rest of your life. The rest of my life. <laughs> yes. Um, became a pastor, saw the youth and the students, and all of that kind of stuff. And and I guess you know the reason I've gone back is because me and Jen would have been in very different places with that. So um, and, and it reached a point just before we got engaged where I turned. Jen had become a Christian and was going through this process. And Jen, I'd been to Soul Survivor just before we get engaged, and the Lord had really spoken to me, and I came back. Uh, what was this, the week before we got there? And I said, Jen... He didn't know who was going to propose, by the way, and it was a bit of a gold thing. It was a good moment, but I, did, I, I just sat Jen down and I said, you do know that I really believe that this is what the Lord's got for me. I just want you to know. Yeah, and I sat there thinking, I really hope he grows out of that. Because <laughs> 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 it absolutely was like the lowest on my list of my future hopes or expectations. So, yeah, I totally, I was like, now I'm going to you know, become a doctor, and I'm going to go into medicine, and probably be a GP, that's where I think I saw I, I was going, and really didn't think, yes, we'll church plant, and yes, we'll end up leading the church together in tandem with that. Um, so God, you know, very much, James was always the accelerator going, let's church plant, I'm like, no, let's never church plant, it's like, we really worse, and oh, please, come on, I think it's what God's got for me, and, really? Um, and so for me, my journey was slightly different in that I think probably three or four years after we got married, I, I think I came to this realisation where I could see as clear as day that that is what God had got for James. And obviously we've been married and I was like, it's going to be pretty tricky for James.
James apart the church without me being in it. And I went on this process, really, of, of realising that I had my life mapped out for myself without having ever really surrendered my plans to God. And so I went on this journey of going, Lord, actually, this isn't my life for what I want to do with it. This is your life for what you want to do through it. And so I surrender. I surrender medicine, I surrender my plans, I surrender all the things that I wanted to do, and I, I give you permission to speak into my life about what you want to use it for. And so the first step was that was um, God speaking to me about getting off the, the, the sort of um, medicine treadmill. I had sort of qualified a couple of years previously and was just being, I was a GP registrar at the time, just training to be a GP. And, and God said, it's time to give me a year of your life and I'm going to mess you up. And so I stopped being a GP and all my friends went, like, what? You're going to like give up medicine for a year and, and do a voluntary year for your church? Are you nuts? How are you going to survive? What are you going to live off? I'm like, well, it's all cut the cost, don't you? You know. Um, and so I, went, I did this discipleship year at Trent Vineyard, which totally changed my perspective on church. And it was growing in faith in a community of people. Quite a few of them a lot long, younger than me, fresh out of university, and I was sort of late 20s at the time. Um, serving the church, putting out the chairs, cleaning the toilets, um, and really for me it was just this amazing opportunity to really go, just have a go at everything and say yes, where I've been so busy in the past, working and studying for exams and doing shifts, suddenly I was like, I've got time, and when people say, would you like to leave a small group, I'd be like, uh, yeah, can't think of any other reason why I wouldn't. Would you like to leave a trip to India? Uh, yeah. Would you like to help with Alpha? Yeah. So I just went on this process and I was really like a sort of a, a child in a sweet shop just going, yes, I'll have that and I'll do that and I'll try that and I'll go there. Um, and for me, it was such a pivotal year of my life. And, you know, the, the time I had to really read and I just engulfed the Bible and spent time praying and journaling and fasting and you know, I'm still feeding off that year now, and now I'm in my late 30s, and yeah, and it was on that process of that year out with the church that uh, God started to really stir my heart for church, and for me, it was this moment, we, we did a lot of reading of why is the vineyard a church planting movement, um, and we looked at how historically and statistically church planting is the greatest, most effective way of seeing people come to faith. If you look all the way through church history, um, when there has been churches being planted, more people come to faith and have their lives changed through that method of church planting. Because there's something about that sort of desperation of, of vision, and we've got to reach this area, and we've got to you know, really step out, all our needs aren't being met, so we're going to just become part of it. And being on that adventure and having that focus seems to galvanise something of desperation for the kingdom, which other methods don't seem to have as much power in. And, and so I suddenly had this moment where I was like, yes, that's true. If John and Debbie Wright, who lead Trent Vineyard, if they had not planted Trent Vineyard in Nottingham, I may not be a Christian right now. I may not have this faith in Jesus. And, and so the penny dropped for me, and I was like, yes. There are people, you know, if God wants us to plant a church, wherever he wants us to plant... There are going to be people in that city or that town or that area that have no faith, that have no you know, hope for their lives. And if we did, if we went and planted, we could bring Jesus to them. And we are, we are God's tools for that. And so 
for me, it was, it was not so much this sense of calling rather than a, an, a, an act of obedience of going, this is, this is what a sense has got, has got for me and I, will, and I will press into that. And didn't hear him say, stop doing medicine, but very much it was, I think you can do both. And I remember us watching this Will, William Wilberforce film, um, Amazing Grace, and there's this really powerful scene at the very beginning where William Wilberforce is really just totally in love with Jesus and is, is thinking about leaving politics to go into the ministry. Um, and he sits down with a group of friends who say, you've got power, you've got charisma, you've got the power of influence, you can change society. And he's like, yeah, but I, I just want to serve God with my life. And this woman puts her hand down the table and says, we humbly advise, sire, that you can do both. And I was like, yes, you can do both. You know, you don't have to just be in the church to be changing society and changing culture and seeing people's lives set free. And of course, we know that William Wilberforce went on to change history and change many, many lives in terms of the attitudes towards slavery and captivity in our country. And, and for me, I was like, I can do both. Um, and this is what God has got for me. So really, it was this process of surrender. This is not my life. You, you re-implant the vision for my life that you have got and take away mine. And that was my journey. Sorry, very long answer But Sorry, just, just recap, not recapping, <laughs> but finishing the story. Um, we, we were at this uh, leaders' conference, the, the Vineyard Leaders' Conference, and this guy called Jay Pathet just speaking about the lost. And so we got to this conference Obviously hoping that God would speak, but at the same time, not expecting God to speak profoundly. You know how when you go to a meeting, you're like, God, oh, of course you can speak, and then he speaks, and you're like, oh my goodness, you've changed my life. Um, and, and Jen, particularly, I'd always been the accelerator, but every session she was up the front. And this is an unusual thing, you know, you're not kind of up the front at every session, just weak bit to the point where you couldn't put on mascara anymore because well, you had these panda tracks down your face. <laughs> and, you know, it's like stuffed with mascara. Um, but God... Cry anyway. But God had... Utterly, utterly broken your heart, and yeah, you, yeah. in that moment, he, there was just this, oh, this desperation, and it was like, we've got to leave, like God, we've got to leave, and, and so we were like, well, when's the soonest that we can leave? 18 months. So we were like, we're leaving, and then we had that moment, and I guess it was a bit like Abraham in Genesis 15, where it's like, you know, go to the land that I'll show you. It's like, where are we going? You know, it's like, we're leaving, we're just budding. We are like, yeah, we're going to show and then we are like, where are you going? Oh, we haven't quite got that answer yet, so, but we know we're going. And, and so then we had this period, we went to Bath, because we thought it might be Bath, because it's really posh and nice. And, <laughs> and I kind of worn boat shoes, and you know, felt very at home, and you could have had a pashmina and big glasses and everything else. Um, went spa to, Ministries. Spa oh, Ministries yeah. are us. <laughs> went to Bath, and we just left completely. had a great time, and we spoke to so many people about Jesus. Yeah, we were like, gosh, if we're going to church plant, we've got to be able to speak to any sort of person about Jesus all the time, anywhere, wherever. And so we started off, we had dinner, we spoke to these sort of elderly ladies, and then we went, and I was like, you know, the thing that disturbs me about Bath is the, I just, where's the rough underbelly? You know? So we went to the station and found a random gay bar on the station and went in and did karaoke and spoke to people about Jesus and I tried to pray for this lady and she ran off, so there's no glory story there. Um, but, but amazing, just amazing God, God conversations that we had with people and then went to the... Anyway, the point was, came out of Bath and I'm just like, no, definitely not. So we, so we, we just started fasting, we're like, God, you've spoken? What, what, does, what, does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so it wasn't until about a week later, and 
I think uh, we turned to each other at the same moment, literally the same moment, and we said, what about Cardiff? It was, oh, that was a good, we haven't rehearsed that. What, let's try that again. What about Cardiff? That's amazing. Um, why did you say that? Yeah, so we had this debrief of, why did you say that? Why did you say that? Yeah, I didn't do it. You're better than me. And we just had remembered this moment at this conference where Jen had had a heartbroken, where they put up a map of the UK and Ireland and they say, look, loads of churches in London and the southeast and some in Scotland, Ireland's thriving. And this guy, Steve Barber, turned around and he said, do you know, what about Wales? There is not a single vineyard church in Wales who will go to Wales. And we recollected that moment that happened a couple of weeks because earlier. at that moment in time when he said, who will go to Wales, we had both looked at each other. And then looked back and hadn't thought about that moment at all until this particular moment, this one evening at the end of the day of fasting, where we both remember that moment exactly the same time, we turned to each other and said, what about Cardiff? And we started getting really, really excited about Cardiff, and then I turned to Jen and said, Jen, have you ever been? We're like, no, but I've driven past. I was like, I've driven past on the M4, but I was like, I've never been either. We better go and have a look at this place that we think the Lord might be speaking about. So we went on a blind date with Cardiff. It was the rugby. It was raining. Yeah, March. March. Yeah, and it just rained all weekend. And we and came... I was like, I feel totally at home. Has it, it ever stopped? No, no, literally. It's just been raining ever since, every day. Yeah, it's just the Barcelona. Today is a rainy day. And we, we went to Cardiff and we were just like, this is it. This is what the Lord has for us. And so we thought that we might be going along and alone, you know, it's like, okay, we're moving our life in 18 months. But what was the most incredible thing was God just started speaking to person after person after person about coming with us. And, you know, we just didn't have that expectation. And, you know, so in the end, we ended up leaving with 18 of us moved from Nottingham to Cardiff. Um, So it's pretty challenging, really, because we had nine nine houses to to pray in and 18, uh, 16 jobs because James's parents came and they were retired so they didn't need to get a job um, and two school places and I was pregnant at the time with my eldest and James's sister was also pregnant with a child and so it was it was just such a journey of faith when we moved and and there's just a one great story from that because if, if you're going to move your life three hours you've got to know it's Jesus do you know what I mean it's not like hey I fancy going to garden that would be great if I got a job so God had to Specifically speak to those people so clearly. Here's just one story. There's a, a couple called Joe and Liz who were in our in Trevor Yard, and we we talked about saying we're going. This was the vision of the church, you know, to the whole church. And Liz said to Joe and gone, you know, what about it? And Joe gone, nah. <laughs> now we've got our life here. We're all settled. And so from from that moment on, every time anything happened, it was about Cardiff. So Joe turned on tell you, I'm in Cardiff. And, and he kept following cars with red dragon stickers on the back. <laughs> and to the point where he was in a four-hour traffic jam behind this car with a red, red dragon. dragon. And it said Love Cardiff or something on the back of it. And, he, and so he, he was like, well, is it just that you see a red car and think, well, you, you know, one of those moments. Or, oh God, to the point where he was so irritated about that after two weeks that he's like, God, are you trying to say something? And so he'd gone out for front to the front for prayer, there was these church planting evenings, just talking about church planting, and, and this, this Anglican vicar from Derby uh, came up to him and started praying for him, uh, and just said, you know, Joe, I think there's two paths, and I feel like the Lord might be speaking, Joe's like, yes, yes, that's it, um, I think there are, but, and Joe said, but the truth is, I feel like the Lord might be stirring about something, but he's just going to have to be so clear, you know, it's going to have to be as clear as if you... An Anglican vicar was to roll up your arm and there was to be a tattoo of a Welsh dragon on your arm. 
So the guy just started laughing and then rolled up his sleeve and there was a tattoo of a Welsh dragon on his arm. Well, as you can imagine, Joe at this point was a little bit freaked out. It's like, oh my goodness, there's a god. Not that he didn't believe in God, but it was like... Um, and then he, then he goes back to his wife and says, Liz, and, and says, Liz, um, I think the Lord might... Well, the Lord's spoken to me and Liz is like, I don't really want to go. Um, and anyway, Liz then met up with her prayer partner and, and, she, and she turned around to Liz and said, Liz, I just need you to know that for the last week I've been praying. I just had this picture of Joe with a t-shirt with a Welsh dragon on the front. I don't know if that means anything, Liz. So they came to see us and they said, we are not asking you, we are coming with you. And we're just telling you that we're coming with you. And that, everybody has a story like that. Because when you get on your knees before the Lord and you're like, God, you're going to have to speak. God does speak to us. And, and it's, it's amazing. So when we landed in Cardiff, there were 18 of us and etc. etc. to, you know, momentum all saying to, to this team, we're here to reach this city. We are here to see people come to know Jesus. And as we talked about, the church planting is the most effective way of seeing people come to faith. Boom, that. So, sorry, long answer to short question. <laughs> and can you give us, like, sort of one particular moment where it was a real high, like, this is why we came, but also a particular low where, yep. oh my goodness, this is really hard. I'll give you a high from the last week because I, I, I think just in terms of the truth is, if you share God's stories, which, you know, an amazing story, um, Helen, I think it was shared earlier. If you share stories regularly, there are God's stories all over the place. And so last Sunday, I came back from church and I just said, Jen, I've met five different people today. I've had five conversations with newcomers, all of whom um, were just in that. Uh, so the first, so there's a guy called Yai, and, and he brought his friend from work, and this guy was 45. And he's like, I haven't been into church since I was 12. You know, so I just connected with this guy at the end of the service. So I haven't been in church for 30 years. Um, I've had such an amazing moment, morning. And, you know, just feel, I'll be back. You, you know, it's like, how can I, you know, so that's conversation one, number one. And then outside, I was on the road, and there was this young couple. And she maybe been in Catholic church for a bit when she was younger. And he'd been in church a little bit. But again, they haven't been in church for years. And I'm just talking to them. They're like, oh, you know, you've been before. They're like, no, this is our first time here. Um, we haven't been in church for years. We've had such a wonderful morning. It's like, oh, that's amazing. We'll be back. It's like, hang on, this is great. Um, then bumped into this other guy just outside the, outside the toilet. It's a similar story. And then into the evening, I was doing a student newcomer's meal, uh, uh, evening. And I go up to this guy just expecting, you know, you get students coming from. I was like, oh, hi, you know, you've got much of a church background. He's like, no, I'm an atheist. Uh, I was like, oh, <laughs> why are you here? You know, it's like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. And a guy called Aiden. And he was like, oh, my flatmate's just invited me, and I've had such an amazing time, and I'll be back next week. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, for me, that was why we do... <laughs> I was like, that's why we do church, you know, that there are these people just having moments to interact with God, to meet Jesus, and to, and to know the hope that we have. We have been given this hope that is just so incredible. And sometimes, it, you know, so to be able to create an environment where anybody can come into and meet Jesus, that's worth it. Your life for. Okay. And uh, another recent story actually, me and Eva um, went out, we had to do some boring things in town on Friday, and we walk it, we had a little bite to eat, a little treat, um, and we're walking back, eight o'clock in the evening, Cardiff City Centre is buzzing with, with sort of people going out, having fun, in preparation for the game yesterday, which wasn't so great. But um, yes, it was buzzing, and as we were walking up the sort of the main pedestrian area, we, uh, this whole group of people came, Geneva! And it was our small, one of our small groups. 
the small group was, um, it's an, a sort of a treasure hunting small group, but they meet every Friday night, Cardiff City Centre, do treasure hunting, prayer ministry, prophecy, for people going out in the middle of, and I was like, isn't this amazing? This is like literally the church on the streets on a Friday night, not hiding behind their doors and going out and doing the stuff that Jesus told them to and do. And the guy leading it is a guy called Sergio, who is the coolest man you've ever met. And there's a little video of him he's doing, he's, cool. he's Portuguese originally, but who's doing some rap on the streets. Do you know what I mean? It's like just rap. But he, six years ago, he was there right in the beginning, that Rob, who's our worship leader, had invited him to Alpha, but he thought he was coming to a gig. Like, like, he That's genuinely... So Rob was doing the worship, so Rob said, oh, why don't you come along to Alpha, you know I'm playing. And he was like, oh, I'm coming to a gig. Anyway, ended up going on Alpha, to the point now, six years later, he's done a year out with us, he's, um, he's leading a small group, because he's got the gift of evangelism. Like, he... He's so funny, he's so cool, and he's like, I'm just there to bring love to the streets. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> now, if anybody else said that, they wouldn't go away with that. Because Sergio says it, it's like, Sergio, you are, Lord has got this on you. And so, again, sorry, we're excited about that. And, and just, it's, it's the stories of individuals change lives. You look back, don't you, and, you know, the corporate thing, oh, that's fine. But it's not, it's about individuals that you've seen grow, that you've seen break an addiction or a bondage to something and who've got through this terrible situation. Yeah, so it's just stories of individuals. And any time where you felt like giving up? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I the first song that you played today is quite an important song for me um, in worship. I, I'm just take a small one. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, that song to me is quite a significant song in the sense that it reminds me of a very painful time um, in the last six years where we just, we had a really difficult time um, after we had Eva, we were sort of trying to have our second baby and we ended up having four miscarriages and um, after the fourth miscarriage it's, um, see this is, this is the joy bit, yeah, I was, I just felt destroyed at that time, and um, that song, Out of the Ashes You Rise, it was the time where we'd, we'd gone for one of our scans, and it was, this is the fourth attempt at having a, a, another baby, and we'd seen the heartbeat, and then we went back two weeks later, and they said, there's no heartbeat, how do you want to proceed to get rid of the pregnancy, and I just, I couldn't believe it. And so we decided that we would pray. We wouldn't make a plan. And I was like, no, we can't just get rid of it. God could resurrect this baby. Um, you know, he can resurrect any life. And he can re resurrect this baby in my womb that has died. And so we went on this journey where we gathered together a few, a group of people who we knew very well in, in the church. And we just said, would you pray for the resurrection of this baby? They knew the journey that we'd been on already. And it had been a very, very difficult year leading and just feeling like, Oh, you know, this is when leading is hard. It's, it's, it's easier to lead when things are going well in your life, but really, really painful leading when, when you're low and when things aren't going well and you just want to curl up in a ball and not go to church. Um, and we prayed for a week, and that was one of the songs James said, Oh, here, listen to this song. And our God is for us, He's with us, and out of the ashes you rise. And so that, that song I played over and over again that week. And, so just even coming in this morning and hearing that song was the first song that we were worshipping to, it just brought tears to my eyes because 
it takes me back to that time of just desperation and just going, I can't do this in my own strength, Lord. And just remember week after week, um, uh, just driving to driving to the vineyards in the morning and just crying. And all I could pray was, help me, help me, help me. Because, you know, there's a whole group of people who, you know, it, it's not always right to bring everybody on the journey. We have people who we knew, who we were over with, who were praying for us. But still getting up and welcoming people and praying for people and... And then that, and that's the reality of the Christian walk, whether you're leading a church or, or just living a Christian life, is it's the highs and the lows, and it's, it's the times when you're walking with God, and, uh, and you just feel like you've got nothing to give, and you don't know even where God is in the blackness and the darkness of the time, and, and keeping on going, and just holding your hand up. And sometimes in worship, I just felt like it was him holding my hand up, um, and not me as I praised him because he is worthy of praise even though I feel my heart is just so I know, sorry, just to because that that low moment but just, you know, the story of of the church speaking as well, wasn't there, you know in terms of you, Jenna brings the point where she's lying on the bed and she's like, God, I can't do this anymore you know, I remember it was a Saturday afternoon it's like, God, where are you in the middle of this, I need you to speak it was very much a lamentations moment where I, I lay and I just sobbed into the duvet um, and just was like, God, where are you? I can't hear you. I need to hear you that you're in this and that you're with me and there is light at the end of the tunnel because I believe that you speak today, but where is your voice? I can't hear your voice. And um, actually, Andy Pedder is part of this story because I just I did this passionate, soul-wrenching crying into the duvet um, and then picked myself up and went off and had a little walk and... And Sal, Sal, my sister over there, she sort of turned to me and said, oh, um, Jen, Andy sort of said that he'd been praying for you and he had this verse from Lamentations 321. Um, and uh, because uh, his mercies are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. Um, and I was like, oh, that's an encouraging verse. And just sort of held it and kept it. And then I got another text from another friend of mine who wasn't in Cardiff. Um, she didn't really know what we were going through. She said, oh, I've got this... First for you, Lamentations 3, 21, 23, you know, because the Lord, you know, his verses never fail, great is his faithfulness. Um, and I was like, oh, that's amazing, same verse in a couple of hours. Um, and I, we went to bed that night, and I, we, we started really sort of praying over my dreams, because I had just been having lots and lots of nightmares about miscarrying, and just quite often on a Saturday night, so I'd wake up on a Sunday just feeling really disturbed and, and unsettled because of these nightmares, and... So we sort of got into the habit of praying every night for God dreams rather than bad dreams. And, and, I, and we prayed that night that God would give us a dream, that he would give us hope. Um, and that morning I woke up and I turned to James and said, Darling, I had this amazing dream, my dreams. For the first time that I gave birth in this dream, I had a, a dream of giving birth and, and this baby was healthy and I named the baby and this was the weight of the baby and it was this first time that I felt God give me this dream and I just desperately hoped it would be prophetic um, and so we just immediately prayed Lord if this is from you would you give us a sign would you just confirm that this is you and, and it not be um, false hope and so we went along to church and for the first time going to church feeling like God was starting to speak about hope and at the end of the worship, we had this time. We had this time of prayer and prophecy for people who were in the church to to hear from God for the church. And 
this guy got up um, who'd not actually given a word in church before he'd been growing in prophecy in a small group and he felt like God gave him this word and he said, I feel like God is saying that there was somebody here. He had no idea what we were going through. I feel like there's somebody here who's going through a really dark time. You're in the eye of the storm. But God is saying that he's going to bring you out of that and he wants to bring you hope. And to confirm it, I have the verses from Lamentations 3, wow. 21 to 23. Because the Lord's love, you know, never fails. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies in you every morning. Not exactly like that, but... And I just started weeping on the front row. <laughs> and I normally got up and did the notices, and James was like, I know what that means. And I know the sort of mess wife's going to be any time you go up and um, do the notices. But for, for us, it was just this amazing sort of time of God. And it was about a year and a half of just pain and keeping on pressing on with the church and, and reminding ourselves of the calling and why we were here and that every time we had to do something, God had to help us do it because we couldn't do it on our own strength. But it was a time of, of great growth, but of great pain and seeing God speak and nurture and support us through us in the church, through prophecy, through prayer, through fasting for us. And yeah, thank you. Thanks for your vulnerability there as well. Would you, do you have like one piece of advice for us? You know, we're six months in and we're loving it, but it's tough, it's hard, you know, it's, it's full on. What would you say to us guys here today? Um, one thing that I would say, probably many things, one thing that I would encourage you uh, to think is, is where God wants you. I think sometimes it's very easy to sort of only think about who you are now and what you're like now. Um, but what is really important is to start, is to always be thinking, where is God taking us? What does God want us to look like? What does, how does God want Balaam to look? What does God want to change in Balaam? And almost to sort of always see what God is drawing you into rather than who you currently are. And sort of almost have that sort of visionary uh, mindset. Everybody in this church, because you're all church planters. Like we've always said to our church, anyone in this church, you're a church planter. We are the church. It's not me and James that are the church planters. You are the church planters. Every single person in this room, you know, to have that visionary mindset. What, what, is God, what does God want to turn Balaam into? What is God's vision for Balaam? What is God's vision for your friendship group? What's God's vision for your workplace? Um, and to always have that sense of what God's leading you into rather than who you currently are. So always thinking ahead. And, and it's that thing of always thinking ahead of, of dreaming. Where is God asking you to press into and step into? And then, and then you, and that vision. And then you can start going, well, how are we going to get there? How, do, how am I going to... By reading the Bible, and by reading our classes we got here, it's going home with nothing. If you don't know what, you will ask. Absolutely. Yeah, so having that vision and, and working out how you're going to get there and obviously coming through the Bible as well. And just the passage for me would be Matthew 9, when I was thinking about you as a community, Matthew 9, verses 10 to 13. And I think this is, you know, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that is a formative text for you as a community, you know, in terms of, yes, sometimes it's hard. Yes, sometimes, you know, it's a bit like, 
you do not have all the things that a church of a thousand is going to have. You know, you just don't. You walk in here and, you, you know, you can't have multiple courses and all of these kind of needs that are going to be met. But this is, this is why churches are planted, because it's not the righteous that need, you know, that I've come to call sin, I've come to call people who don't yet know me. And therefore, as, you know, just advice to you as in, in the church, if you can turn around and say, you know, um, how can we help? Do you know what I mean? How can we help with this vision? And how can we board, be on board? You know, how can we be church planters along with, with the leaders within this church? And suddenly, yes, you will come into other seasons where you can do different things. But for the moment, that that is what the Lord's got over you. And, you know, to sit there and be like, who am I going to invite? You know, rather than it's like, well, these guys are going to invite something. It's like, who is Jesus asking me to invite? And if you can do that, then I think that... Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. We just uh, we're gonna um, we really want to pray for you guys while you're here, and um, and for you guys to pray for us as well. And um, just let's 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 stand. James, we thank you just that you called them and that you sent them and that they have started to transform the city of Cardiff. Yeah. I thank you for the individuals that know you now as a result of them being there. I thank you for their obedience and even in the, in the middle of tough times that they've always chosen you. And I thank you that where they've been faithful, you have been so faithful to them. And we just, uh, it's almost like, you know, we're a small church here, but we just, we, we send double the blessing back to Carver. Yeah. And all that they give all the time to everybody, we just pray for an increase of blessing and favour upon their lives. 